0: Hi, friends. Logan Clements here, one of the co-hosts with the Better Events Podcast. This week's episode, we are talking about how to manage multiple events at once. We share some of our current tips and tricks for how we like to manage multiple projects, some mistakes you might want to avoid, as well as some of the advantages and disadvantages of managing multiple projects all together. But before we get into it, we do want to remind you, if you enjoy what you're hearing, please consider sharing your favorite episode with a friend or leaving us a review wherever you listen to podcast that just helps other listeners find us and we can continue to grow this amazing event community. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. Welcome
1: to the Better Events Podcast. Join two event strategists, Logan Clements and Mary Davidson, who believe we can all create, host, and attend better events. In this podcast, you will learn about event strategy and actions that you can use today as an event host, planner, or manager. Hear directly from the people are creating innovative and inspiring events today and tomorrow, and grow your business along the way. Now, let's get started, and thanks for listening to the Better Events Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Better Events Podcast. Today, we are talking all about how to manage multiple events at once. And this is your co-host, Mary Davidson. I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Logan Clements. And we are going to jump in with our conversation starter for today, which is March 26th was make up your own holiday day. What is something that you think is worth celebrating? What would be the best way to celebrate it? And what part of the year would you celebrate? What a loaded question,
0: Logan. You you get to go first. <laughs> My brain has so many ideas right now for kind of silly holidays. I love like, it. Like I already am like, National Dumpling Day, Ooh. where you eat nothing but dumplings because a lot of different cultures have a lot of different kinds of dumplings. I don't, I feel like it could be any time, but I feel like dumplings taste especially delicious in the colder months. So maybe this would be a good March, as you know, we're in March or even a February holiday. Uh, some cultures already have dumplings around other holidays, but I would say probably. We'll go, we'll end with that one. I, I guess listeners, let me know if you want to know some of my other crazy ideas. But Mary, what would if you could make up your own holiday? Uh, well, how would you? What would you do?
1: I mean, my brain went pizza, but then you did dumplings. So I'm like, okay, I can't do food. Okay, so like hustle culture is real. So maybe it's like no hustle Wednesdays. Or something. Well, this is a, a holiday, though. Well, I don't know. Maybe we make it recurring. I don't know. What if? Or what if there was just a holiday? I'm like really off the cuff right now. What if there's just a holiday when the purpose of the holiday is to do nothing? I love that idea. It's, <laughs> it's not a even the We all agree.
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just sit there. That's how you celebrate it. It's by doing I, nothing. Mary, you're on to something because I do think a yeah. lot of holidays come with. Obligations and being yeah. social and having to do things, but having a holiday where we would all just do nothing. I think it'd have to be
1: multi days. Maybe because I feel like people are like, oh, I can't, I can't do nothing for like all weekend, for example. I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I need to get stuff done. So I feel like we'd get like the very productive people being like, I can't sit around for more than one day, but maybe we can
0: get them to do it one day at least. Yeah, there you go. Or I'm, like, I'm like no hustle week. <laughs> You're giving me flashbacks to when I lived in China, and I loved Chinese New Year. The country truly shut down, especially if you worked like more kind of that like day labor hourly workers. Like you truly would go home and businesses closed, like everything shut down for a week. And I did not celebrate Chinese New Year, but I would you know honor it while I was there. But it was truly a week where like no one was working, and because I didn't have family to go visit in China or something, it was like truly a week off. It was really nice. Yeah. Or it's like, like siestas. Why can't we, let's start doing that. These other countries, they've got it right. I don't know, America, we got to start adopting some of these. Uh, Well, thank you for doing that exercise, Mary, because I thought that was fascinating. So listeners think about whatever your holiday is. Maybe we'll post on social and try to get uh, some threads going of people's ideas. But this week's episode, we are talking about how to manage multiple events at once. We have, this is important because I think it's something that Mary and I have normalized and it fluctuates just how many we are talking about at once. That's what we're going to kind of dive into that and some best practices. But I think this really dovetails nicely with our conversation with Sarah Shuey about freelancing, some of our other freelancing contracting um, conversations that we've had. And we also know that if you work full-time somewhere and you're not a freelancer, you also might be managing multiple projects at once. And so It's going to be kind of project management, but coming at it from an event lens and particularly one where Mary and I are often independent contractors or service providers. But I'm excited to get into this. (laughs) feels very top of mind for me. It's going to
1: be, I think, a great conversation today for sure. Um, And yeah, I'm interested to learn from you, Logan. I think we'll we'll learn from each other a little bit for this too. But
0: yeah, so let's let's dive into it. Logan, what does your um, current event load look like? It changes on a on a weekly basis as I as I get through events. Um, Right now, I've had a particularly busy spring, so I've had anywhere up to like nine events on my plate. And when I say on my plate, that means I'm in either the like pre planning, post planning, or actually at that event. Um, And these events are everywhere from this like spring slash quarter one of the year. I feel like I've had everything from January all the way through like May June, Um, and my role at those events has differed. So some are much more pre-planning and like I'm part of the planning process. A couple others are, I'm just showing up on the event day. But to me, that is a quite a high volume. I I feel like this year in particular, especially feeling like it was the start of the year that I felt I wasn't as confident how many things were happening. So eight, nine events at a time is a heavy load for me. Mary, how about you? What's your current event load look like?
1: yeah right around the same um if we're talking about like like springtime I gotta I gotta compartmentalize the year for my sanity so maybe we'll talk more about that but for spring events I'm just like getting through the spring um right now I have 10 but like there's some pending I don't know if they're gonna get thrown in there or not um and then that's like through through May so past June not even thinking about that right now.
0: But the reality is the summer, day. there's so much time.
1: <laughs> but that's the thing, actually, which is why this conversation is intriguing is like, sure, those are like the event days. Maybe that's what I'm referring to. But like, actually, we still do have meetings for those fall events and those June events. So it's like you're actually managing more than that at one time. But
0: it's kind of interesting.
1: It, it's we're we are lucky. I will say that overwhelmingly lucky. So yeah, it's grateful. a good,
0: it's a great problem to have in terms yeah. of being. I would say, and I'll speak for myself here, like pretty close to capacity between all the varying degrees of what I'm doing for the different events. I'm, I'm pretty, I I have gotten to the point of probably about a month or two ago where I started saying no to things unless it really was something I like could not miss the opportunity on because I, when, again, when I was an earlier planner, I would say yes to everything. And I've learned again, things will, I will drop something if it drop the ball. I mean, like responsibility wise, if I take on too much. So Um, just kind of diving in a little bit, Mary, of like what our process looks like for me. It's so hard to standardize because I, again, I have varying roles with different clients. Some it's literally just like a three day event and I'm on a couple calls once a week leading up to it. And then I'm going to that event. Others I am like on daily almost or multiple times a week check-ins and I'm really doing the the gritty planning of it. So it's been really hard for me to standardize. I have created myself a tracker (laughs) Which Mary has seen. I've held it up before. It's a lovely, like, Word doc I made myself that has all of my projects listed out and sort of along the top, and then on the side it says urgent and not urgent. And it was it's currently two sided, and I've also included all my content, like podcasting and YouTube, on there, as well as some volunteer work that I do. I mar- I do marketing for a couple organizations on a volunteer basis. And that's like a Sunday exercise where I just brain dump onto that tracker. And that has been really helpful for me because I do feel like whenever I'm close to capacity, I feel anxiety around dropping the ball about forgetting something, even though I'm not getting told I've forgotten anything. It's like a me thing of this probably perfectionist type A person that wants to make sure that I have everything covered and worried that as I get busy, I might forget something. And this tracker has been really helpful to just brain dump. And realize really once I got it on paper, it's like, oh, that's not actually urgent or, oh, darn, this was this is more urgent now. I'm going to move this up. That's a very basic process. Again, for a planner of one person on my team, I don't need the fancy project management software. And that's just more for like to-dos. I use other things for tracking the more intensive projects. But Mary, what's your process of how you like manage such a large workload? It's something that I would say it's it's finally developed
1: in a way where I feel like it's I don't know if working is the right word, but like finally there is a process, I will say. So there used to not be as much of a process. So I'm just like really happy that there's a process. So I really utilize my project management software. ClickUp is what I use. I have this mass spreadsheet. I wish I could like pull it up on a piece of paper and show you because it could be like easier to understand. But essentially when i have pending clients or qualified prospects or confirmed clients they're all listed there and they're color coded and i can just like move move their categories and so i can refer to our current clients at all times on that list that's actually really helpful you know when you start having all these projects because then sometimes honestly it's hard to remember so i can look back and on that list i've actually just developed that um more this week which is ironic that we're having this conversation because I've added some um columns in there so it's like what kind of event it is because sometimes you know it is if there's similarities you know I do a lot of fundraising events so it's like this was not a full-on gala there's only some components so like I categorize them so I can just look and be like right okay this is this event where are the events located because sometimes that can get you know mixed up um and I think like obviously like the event date and some other key things is what I put in there. But anyway, that has really helped me because when you go from one meeting to the other, to the other, to the other, it's like, okay, I got to get my brain on, on this event. Like what is what is this event? <laughs> that sounds so bad, but like you just sometimes you got to transition your brain. And so that is kind of my, my um, I guess, main, main resource where I keep that information. Once that's there, you still have to do the work. So how do I... <laughs> how do i keep that sorted out that's that's a different conversation day to day it's uh day to day is pretty challenging it's it's interesting but um one thing i will call out and then i think we can you know discuss more about this but is i've started doing a workbook which Logan i think you've seen from one event yeah um in the workbook like i have a love hate relationship with it because it feels a little repetitive but i think it's important because it's one place where all the event information lands and it's in like Google Drive. So like when you have in a meeting and a meeting and you take notes in the agenda, those agenda notes get turned into ClickUp tasks in the project management software, and then that information gets put in the workbook. Like okay, we've decided tickets are going to be seventy five dollars. So like now that's in the workbook under tickets, um, and that's so we never have to refer back to agendas. Because that just becomes like extremely time consuming. So it just ends up being these two places, click up and this workbook that are like the master documents at all times. So we can just refer to those for information. And that has been the biggest lifesaver in keeping these events straight, to be honest. It gets so confusing. And in that workbook, it captures, I, I should probably share with you all what it captures. I'll pull one up. But it's um like budget, if it's applicable, sponsors, if, if we're tracking those, any vendors, there's the vendor tab in there. I put the run a show in there. Um, an overview. So just like the events from noon to 7 p.m. and just like like super brief what is included and the audience, the the goals, the event date, the location. Um, like I said, ticket sales or like what other revenue components are part of the events. Um, we track supplies in there because, you know, along the way people are like, we need the supplies. So we stick it in that. Um, there's a roles tab that discusses or just shows, you know, like who's who's involved and along the way you can assigned people roles for the day of the event things like that so it's pretty uh, massive I will
0: say but that's been but so important I mean I have one too and I now have an internal one that's like a me tracker workbook for every project this was what I did on my retreat last year was I sat down and made this made my updated my workbook because like you Mary it's mine's also like a multi-tab spreadsheet that lives in Google Drive because it's editable and live because for me I found, it won't get as robust if it's just me working on a project, but a lot of times I've been bringing on team members or people to do, to work with me on the event. And I found having one document of truth, like you're saying, it's so time consuming to be like, just look at the notes. And it's like, well, you could, but that's going to take so much longer versus if you just have the, the who, what, when, where, why is like the basic. And then I think yours and mine, we both have for many more lines that to me sometimes feels like homework, but it's a good exercise to go through. Like What's the purpose of the event? Who are the key players? Where's the venue? What's the parking situation? Like things, this, it turns into your like frequently asked questions for your team, for yourself identifies the gaps of like what you haven't talked about. Um, Cause I'm with you. I, I, I have probably, we have probably very similar looking workbooks uh, because that is so much more useful than a million and one documents to a million and different one, different links. So Yes, I use that to track. And for me, I don't have, I don't use ClickUp or something like that because I am kind of old school in the sense that I really like writing. (laughs) Like I have a handwritten planner. I just told you about my handwritten tracking list. It's like a piece of paper I print now each week. And then I also, this is one of my favorite things that for, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see I have this leather notebook cover that I got on Etsy that has rubber bands in it, rubber bands in it. And so that you can slot in different notebooks. And so then I just buy like these thin little notebooks. I can buy them from Amazon, like a pack of like 12 or 15 of them. And then I've started doing, cause I used to keep one notebook of all of my notes. And the more projects I did, the less it was helpful to have to then like skim through to be like, when's the last time I did a call about event B? Now it's like the B event has a whole notebook to it. And then I'm just flipping to it. And then it's one stream of consciousness for me of like, yes, like you, Mary, I'm like, in a perfect world, everything that I put in here gets into my workbook. But it has also been really helpful at times to then refer back where someone's like, did someone say something on that call about this thing? And I'm like, let me look. And it's like, I like, I like to write when I'm on a call versus typing. Um, and so that's just really fun because then I can, when they fill up, I can take them out or if the event ends, I can take it out. Um, and I'll usually lump them sometimes by client if I do multiple events for them, but, um, It's really nice, and this like leather little notebook just gets more weathered with time. It's really, it's very durable. That's awesome. That made me
1: just think, like, yeah, okay. So we've established like the system. How do you like from your day to day know like what tasks to actually do? And then I, I want to hear your thoughts, Logan. I want to share something too. Um, I've been keeping this a secret from you, Logan, because you are such a fan of the Passion Planner, but I got its competitor, the High Performance Planner that's the one I ended up getting and okay, I'm trying to... I forgive you. <laughs> I'm to it. And I mean, I think all in all the goals are like the same, but yeah. they have prompts that I will share with you, which actually it helps the, the day-to-day management, if you will, because I will say like, how do you manage multiple events at once per day or per week? It's like priorities. So you just, you make your priorities. And so it, each day you have like these pages of like one page of prompts And it says to list the top three goals or priorities is one section. The second section is tasks that absolutely must be done today. And those two sections keep me honest because the rest of the stuff is kind of fluff like and and things change. But those two sections, I'm like, I got to get these things done today. And that is just it.
0: And that has really helped keep me on top of some of these priorities when it comes to managing all these people yeah, I mean, if anything, I feel like a strength from having to manage multiple projects so once again, whether you're a contractor or you work full- time, is you do have to get better at prioritizing like what is a true must do? and then the harder part for me has been coming to the realization like there will always be more work. There will always be more I can do. Should I do it? Probably not because you need to rest. We talked about that earlier, Mary. Rest is so important. Like, uh, so i'm I'm with you. I I have some like virtual, like I'll make notes in my, in my call notes. So I guess the way I do it is like, I have sub, I have folders in Google drive for each of my clients. And in that I'll keep a call, a call notes log, um, that is usually stream of consciousness. Sometimes the client wants access. Sometimes it's just for me. And that's where I'll log to do's. And then I'll kind of transfer them from there to that, either that tracker document for me is like my catch all. And then on my passion planner for my day of, I've now started putting, uh, I've put a little divider so I can't fill up the whole day because I used to do that with to do's. But it's like the top parts to do. And then the bottom stuff is like meetings, calls, appointments, things that happen at a certain time. And I purposely have learned to limit it because if not, I'll fill it with so many to do's. And now it used to be all of my to do's. But since I've implemented this tracker, that catches that. So now it's turned into the like, if I can get four things done today, this is what I'm getting done. So it's like my short list from, it's like that section that you have. Um, And it's everything from small tasks, like post about our podcast on the day the episodes come out to, you know, more like build out the run of show for this event, which like that's going to take two hours. And I've tried to be bitter of not giving myself too many big tasks on a day because it's just not feasible. Or if I have a day of calls, just kind of saying, okay, my only to do is I can do today outside these calls is going to be like five, 10 minute tasks. And that's just how it's going to have to be because I'm only human, even though I'd like to think I could work. 16 hours a day, every day, all the time. But, you know, I actually don't wish that because I like having balance. Um, But yeah, it's a little bit of everywhere. But I found if I write it, I remember it.
1: Yeah. So listeners, find what works for you. But I think that's just a great call out is is bite-sized chunks. For me, like when you're managing so many projects, it becomes very overwhelming. I have so many moments when I sit in front of my computer and I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, what do I need to work on right now? And so something like that, an exercise at the beginning of the day or the beginning of the week or something, actually, ironically, though, it may be only a few tasks that you have to get done that day is actually going to make you more productive because at least you're doing them. Like (laughs) instead of just sitting there having that like moment of, "Uh oh, (laughs) I don't know what to do. Um, so yeah, great tips. I, I love it. I think that's really helpful for me to hear. And so hopefully it is for everyone listening as well. And, and, um, you know, as we're thinking through some mistakes to avoid when managing multiple events at once, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is there's a lot of details and a lot of things you have to remember. A lot of things are happening at one time. So yeah, it actually can be kind of easy sometimes to make, make mistakes or just forget about things or not do things as timely as you want to do. So I think we're probably like no strangers to that fact. Um, but I think that there are some things that you can do to avoid making mistakes. And one thing that I've found is when you're managing all these projects or or events everybody wants a meeting everybody wants to meet with you <laughs> and and I get it and it's fine but something I have learned the hard way recently and I'm going to change once I get through these spring events um is actually limiting my my meeting capacity on purpose so clients want as much time as you're willing to give them and so um I've kind of gotten lenient to weekly meetings but I literally don't have the capacity to have a weekly meeting with every client. Like there just isn't time for that. But if I can have an every other week meeting with clients, I can fit more clients in hopefully that makes sense. Like there's only so much time in a week, but there's more time every two weeks. And so it's actually becoming like a a management issue. like i I need to limit capacity of meetings. i that and and to do that, we have more productive meetings. and also, if I've worked with the clients before, that's a way easier ask because now they trust me. If it's a new client, they need a little bit more stewardship, and I get that. And so I'm trying to figure it out. But um, I would say, like I've I've overpromised my time, and that sometimes has limited my capacity in a way where I feel like it actually has been a mistake.
0: Uh, yeah, meetings are a hard one, and that's we, again we've talked about on the podcast. But that important question of like time based versus task based for your role. And I, I mean, I think you, again, even if you work full-time, you should be asking these questions because I think people forget how time consuming meetings can be because I, you know, I have certain events that love meetings and I've now worked on them for the last two years. So I know going into it year three, it's like, all right, it's just going to take time. But I joke, we have meetings and then we have meetings about meetings. And then I don't know what time we have time to do the things we talked about in the meetings, but we do. And you know, it's just, it's, it's, it is a bigger time suck. And then for that reason, I have to shift my capacity of what I'm available for other things. But with mistakes too, for me, uh, something that's been helpful uh, is often, again, when I'm doing so many events is I've often had to write a lot of proposals. And so to me, it's hard to keep what I've committed to straight at times. And so an exercise now that I am constantly doing is after I've signed the client, and again, this is where I'm like, I like paper (laughs) sometimes, is I'll either print out or like pull it up and actually sit down, and go through all the deliverables I said I was going to do and make sure that I have those on my radar. It sounds simple, but like so much of, I think being successful in events is like doing what you say you're going to (laughs) do. And a lot of times when I have clients who are stressed out about some aspect of the event, it's because that person didn't do what they said they're going to do. And we always want to have a higher level of service. So I love to always over deliver, but when I'm getting close to capacity at this point, it's been like, okay, what did I commit? Let's make sure I'm doing that. And it was great because One of my clients who did want a lot of calls, Mary, like you're talking about, that wasn't in my scope. That wasn't what I had said that I was going to do. So anything I'm doing to fit in those calls is me going above and beyond. And that's helpful. It's enjoyable. I'm glad we're doing them. But it was like a check. I had a sigh of relief of like, oh, OK, yeah, I I didn't overextend myself. Here's what I thought it would be. And I'm going to give them a little extra, but know that if I can't get to it because I'm on site with another client next week, that's OK, because I'm going above what I scoped. And I just going through that and helping with my tracker and putting that stuff in my workbook. So it's just explicitly lined out that it's like pre-event, I didn't commit to meetings. I committed to helping make the run a show. And if we have to have meetings about it, that's great, but not like a weekly cadence or, you know, it it really differs. Um, And I think that's the more you can really hone in on your scope can help you have a better balance. Because I also think if you're listening to this, Hoping Mary is going to give you a magical number of like, you should only be able to do X events. That, that's not going to happen. There's, there's planners I know who get stressed out if they're planning more than one. I've had planners who can plan 20 or wedding planners I know who could have 25, 30 weddings on their plate and they've figured out a system that's how they triage them. And if you're someone who's gotten married or you're going to get married and you've ever seen a wedding planner contract, I think some of them have the most specific <laughs> parameters of what like partial planning, full planning. Here's the exact number of calls and phone calls you get or texts you get or emails. Um, in a way that I don't have that for my process. It's a lot more fluid. Um, But I have some clients that are like a project rate and includes X, Y, Z. And I have other clients like my meetings client, they're on an hourly rate. And so that's something to me, I know, I'm never gonna take them off an hourly rate because they love calls. And so I'd like to make sure that if they're asking for more of my time, I'm getting compensated for it. Um, So I would make sure you know your scope and essentially having it written and you have an agreement. I also have a scope now I use with agencies that I make them look at. It just puts everyone on the same page, so you can avoid having overcommitted yourself without knowing it. And I know there's a
1: few more things that we, you know, can talk about regarding this topic, like um, more, you know, more advantages of, of managing multiple events, and then I, I and I think that the golden thing really is, is like we don't have an answer for what the what the right amount of events is. That's like really for you, and you know, lots of lots of things determine that for me, one thing that I have wanted to do, but I have not. So this is is prompting me to do that, but it's trying to figure out like a capacity calculator for myself. Like what, what do I like physically actually have the time for? What kinds of events and how many? The struggle is events are so different. So it's really hard to like like I don't know I think I'm just going to like do it by time 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 allotment like an event that takes me like 20 hours I can fit this many in or or if it's a larger event then that's one event instead of two smaller events and I can fit that many in so I'm trying to figure that out cuz I actually don't I can't comprehend my capacity and I think that's gotten me into some bad places actually is overcommitting um, and one thing that I have done, which I haven't talked fully about on the podcast, I only hinted at it, but I now have a full-time employee. She's awesome. And um, that, is, that has helped. And the plan is for that to help with capacity. And so that's something that I'm trying to do is, is stretch the capacity of the business. And so something I've done is brought on a team member to help make that happen.
0: Yeah. And I can't wait to hear as you continue to evolve with her. Cause I think that is such a game changer in helping you take on more capacity. Um, and that's something I know, like personally for me, it's, I always joke, it's never a goal number of events. It's more like you're saying, Mary, of trying to figure out what my capacity is, knowing the different events. Again, once you've done it, once you know how much time consuming it is, or some of my larger sporting events that are multi-week are just all encompassing. And I can, I'll have a little bit of time to do work on some other projects if they're coming later, but not really. And so like, I wouldn't pair that event with my other client, this one client that loves calls. Like I just wouldn't commit to both because I know from experience now it's like too much. Um, But yeah, I think my final tip I'll leave with folks is uh, setting an out of office message when you're on site for an event. Um, Maybe you're not allowed to explicitly say where you are or what event you're working, but the biggest thing I found is just like expectation management. And so I've been in a really busy season this this spring, and so I've just been getting ahead with my clients and being transparent of like, hey, if you want to do calls while I'm home, I'm home these couple weeks, but then I'm going to be on the road. Not saying I can't work on your event. I'm not available for calls. It's just going to be less frequent, and I'm going to have more periods during the day where I'm busy with someone else's event. And so I've been sending out-of-office messages that just say, like, delayed response. I'm on-site for an event. It doesn't have to say out-of-office. And if I'm publicly allowed to say where I am, some of my sports stuff is kind of fun and a conversation starter. So I'll link to that. But other than that, just kind of letting people know. And in that, I would say, like, I'm on site. Please expect my emails to be, you know, a day or two slower than normal, or I'll get back to you on Friday when I'm, you know, bat, I'm done being on site. Um, And that has been something I was scared to do when I was like earlier in my business. And I can't imagine now doing my business without it. I love it. Thank you. Great. Honestly, great tip, important tip. So many
1: so many good tips. I I have liked this episode. So. We've,
0: got our, we've got our wheels turning. We could probably talk about this for another like three hours. So there I know might be, there's definitely gonna be a part two of this, but I think it's time mm-hmm. for our bonus tip, Mary, and you have our bonus tip this week. All right. My bonus tip
1: is actually pretty perfect for this conversation. So if you're watching our video, if not, I'll link this in the show notes. Um, I got this cute little timer from Amazon it's a timer for children is what it's called on Amazon. So yay for me. I'm actually matching it right now too, which is like really perfect. Anyway, um, our colleague Laura told me about this and I ended up getting one because I'm not great at time management and I recognize that about myself. And so this is a 60 minute timer so that I can keep myself honest on how long I'm spending on tasks and not waste time. So that is my bonus tip for today is if you struggle with productivity, get yourself a timer.
0: Love it. Mary, we should put that link in the show notes for people if they want that specific timer because it was very cute. But thank you so much for listening. That brings us to the end of our episode. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at better events pod. You can send us an email at bettereventspod at gmail.com. And you can always connect with us personally on LinkedIn by just searching our names, Logan and Mary on LinkedIn. We love hearing from you. And as always, thank you for listening. And we'll be back in your feeds next Wednesday.